to tell you something. I don't want to do church without him. That's just, that's just another activity. You guys are too busy for another activity. How many of you want the presence of God? We need the presence of God. And we also need his word, which is why we're going to get right into it today. And uh, we're going to continue in this series on the book of Jonah. And uh, the kind of the concept of this uh, series is get up and go. The Lord told Jonah to arise and to go to the city, a wicked city, by the name of Nineveh, which is in present day Iraq and at, at that time. And uh, God told Jonah to go there to proclaim that his judgment was coming upon them. So God said to Jonah, go. And then Jonah said to God, no. And uh, here as a prophet, Jonah knew one thing for sure. He knew the power of God's word. And he knew that if he went there and he preached the word of God, that he knew that God's word does not return void. And because God's word does not return void, he was afraid that the people of Nineveh would hear the message and then repent of their sins. And God was just good enough that he would forgive them and relent from his judgment. And Jonah didn't want anything to do with that. And so he ran. He ran so far away. And uh, he ran both night and day. No, I'm sorry. So anyway, he ran away. And uh, last week we looked at that in the first chapter because Jonah teaches us some things about running away from God, like you can run, but you can't hide. You can run from God. Here's the way Paul said it. The gifts and the callings of God upon your life are irrevocable. When God calls you, he doesn't change his mind about it. When God gives us a commission, that's what he wants us to do. And you can run, but you can't hide. And Jonah also teaches us that in that process of running away, if you disobey God, you're going down. Amen. You don't want to go down, do you? And if you get down far enough spiritually, the Lord may have to send a storm into your life to wake you up. And uh, it's in that process of God waking us up from running away and being disobedient that we have to get to that place finally where Jonah exemplifies when they, he told the sailors, he said, the only way that you guys can live is you got to kill me. You got to throw me overboard. I got to die in order that you may live. And I think there was a spiritual principle in there that the Lord was saying, when you're willing to die, that's when you're ready to live. And when he was cast overboard, the Lord swept him up in a big fish, a great fish, the Bible says. And uh, so that's where we pick up today. So I, I really want us to understand that God, this book of Jonah is a reminder to us that we live under, under the commission of God to take his message to people who are far away. And it's time for us, the church, to get up and go. Come on, it's time to get up and go. I don't know about you, but I want to be willing to run to those uncomfortable places that God is calling me to. Amen. I better start hearing some amens here and there. No, I'm teasing. You can be quiet if you want to. But if we're going to be real Christians, we're going to have to be 
We're going to have to be willing to go to those uncomfortable places. That's what real Christians do. Real Christians don't just go to church. Real Christians take the church to the world. And it's uncomfortable. And uh, we got to be willing to go there. Jesus told us to occupy till he comes, which does not mean taking up space. It means taking your place in the earth, hearing the call of God, and going for it. If you're here to take up space, that's not Christianity. God said, I want you to go into the wicked world. Ultimately, God sent him there because God loves the world and wants to reach the world. And there are Jonah-like believers today who need a stirring to arise and go. Amen. And so, but like Jonah, some of us may be swallowed up right now. And so this is where we pick up today. Jonah's in the belly of a whale with nothing to do but pray. Talk about your prayer closet. So today's message is entitled, Praying Your Way Out of a Pit. That's what I want to talk about. I want to pick up in chapter 1, verse 17, and then we'll go into chapter 2. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. Say those words with me. Then Jonah prayed. He was in there three days and three nights, and then he prayed. This is a prophet. He prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and all your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit. I love that. I was going down, yet you brought me up. I love that. I was going down to the moorings, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of God. And watch this, verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Amen. That's a good word. God, vomit us out here today. No, Lord, we invite your presence here today. Talk to us through your word. God, wherever we may be right now in our life, I pray, God, that we would be a people who cry out to you right in our distress. 
Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. So I want you to notice what Jonah said. Jonah said, I was down in the belly of Sheol. The, the Hebrew word means a grave, also translated as hell, or also as a pit. I was in the belly of the, of the pit. And then he says twice, I was in the deep. And then he said in verse 6, you brought me out of the pit. Jonah was in a pit. The fish's belly was a deep, dark, dank, depressing pit of death. That's where Jonah was. And it was in this pit that Jonah began to pray and to call out to the God that he had been running from. He then, after three days, began to cry out to him. Have you ever been in the pit or in the pits? Experiencing life's pits is nothing new for any one of us, especially, and even those who follow the Lord. You can find yourself in a pit as you read through the Word of God. There are people that found themselves in the pits, dreaming Joseph, who had these dreams of God's destiny for his life, was thrown into the pit because of the jealousy of his brothers. We also see that there was a Hebrew leader by the name of Korah in the Old Testament who rebelled against Moses' leadership. And God said, okay, the pit for you, my friend. And the earth opened up and swallowed him in a pit and swallowed him alive. Then there's Job. Job felt like he, he referred to his experience of suffering and the great loss that he went through as a pit in his life. He was in a pit of despair or depression. King David spoke of being thrown into the pits of personal attacks, not only of enemies, but sometimes his very friends. So I feel like I'm in a pit. Then there was Jeremiah who found himself thrown into a pit because of his obedience to speak God's word in a time and in a culture that didn't want to hear what God had to say. And they threw him in a pit. And here in this story, Jonah is in his own pit, and it's the pit of disobedience. Hello out there. So whether we bring it on ourselves or we feel thrust into one, pits are common to all of us. You might be here today feeling like you're in a kind of pit in your life. It's a dark and disturbing place. It's uncomfortable. So what are we supposed to do? Well, the only thing really left to do is what we should be doing all along, and that's calling out to God and crying out to Him. But sometimes, the, the, you know, it's those pit experiences sometimes that cause us to get serious with God. Amen. And so today I want to talk about this. But before I get to this idea about how to pray your way out of the pit you may feel like you're in, let's first of all talk about the purpose of the pit. That's what I first of all want to deal with here today. Remember that story one time when one of the disciples went to, I think it was their cousin, and said, we have found the consolation of Israel. We have heard from the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. And then the guy said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And he said, come and see. And so you might be thinking, what is, can anything good come out of the pit? And God wants to say to us today, Come and see. I do good things out of the pits. Amen. 
So we're going to look at this. Now, Jonah, in total surrender, was thrown overboard. And God, the Bible said, appointed the whale to go and swallow him up. That God called the whale to go and get Jonah and swallow him up. We call this reverse sushi. Instead of man-eating raw fish, it was fish-eating raw human. And so, I waited all week to tell you that. This became his pit. So you see this, this fish, this whale, served God's purpose. Not only in saving Jonah, but bringing him to a place of supplication. The fish served God's purpose. The fish was not God's purpose. See, when you're in the pit, God is able to work all things together for good to them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. He will use those places, and He needs to use those places. You actually need Him to use those places so He can get you where He wants you to be, and where you ultimately want to be. And where you always say to the Lord, you want to be. You're always saying to God, God, do in me what you want to do. And then when he starts doing it, that's where you get freaked out. Because this isn't what I had in mind. But listen, the whale isn't your problem. But it is part of God's purpose. It isn't his purpose ultimately and finally. But it's a place where God can do some things. And so what is God, what is the purpose of the pit of being swallowed up in these times in our lives? Well, number one, it's a place where God can refine our character. I don't know if you know this, but you need help still. You're saved. You belong to the Lord. You're a child of God, but you got issues. And you got issues in your heart and in your life that God is trying to work on you. See, the same was with Jonah. Jonah's a prophet of God, but you can read the story and see he's not perfect. He's got problems. He's got issues in his heart. He's a man full of pride and prejudice. He's a man who is stubborn and willful. He's not really wanting to do things God's way in God's, uh, by God's strength or God's leading. He wants to do it his own way. Or he just decided, I don't like your idea. I'm going to do it this way. And God says, okay, we're going to work on you. Amen. Come on, how many are glad God loves you enough to work on you? Amen. So God brings him to a place. He swallows him up. And he puts him in a place of restriction and confinement where he can begin to discipline his heart. Now listen, God's discipline does not mean that God is punishing you. The whale is not to punish you, it is to perfect you though. And it's that place of, of, of discipline where God begins to work in us because he loves us. He wants to get us back to where he called us to be, but he has to kind of... Uh, Oh, I don't know. The word would be break us. Amen. Come on now. Don't shut down on me out there. I want to I give you a quote that I've heard all my life. I don't know who first said this, but it's going to come up there. 
the greater the anointing, the greater the breaking. Is that up there? The greater the anointing, one end, the greater the breaking. So, what God is working in you and the plan that God has for your life, there are things that you and I have to go through in our life to get to that place and that brokenness in our life. Sometimes we need the place of brokenness so we can become more effective in where we're going. We can't serve God fully when we're full of ourselves. Amen. So he's got to get all that fullness of you out of you so he can get the fullness of him into you. And so there's a breaking process. Amen. And so what he does is he puts us into these places and he utilizes these places to confine us to where we're almost, it feels like we, we're almost immobile and we can't do anything. But it's not that we can't do anything. It's just that we can't get on with it until we get to that place of brokenness. It's kind of like when you, I have never broken a bone, thank the Lord, I hope never to do that. I can't imagine the pain of that. But when you break a bone, let's say you break your arm, they put a cast on your arm, and we think to ourselves, this is restricting me. But it's actually for your benefit, because then you get healed in that brokenness. And you're confined, and you don't feel free, and you feel like, why am I in this place? Well, you're in this place right now. The cast is there right now, so that your arm heals correctly from the brokenness. David said in Psalms 51, verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Now listen to this. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. David was in a place of brokenness in his life, and he needed to go there in order for him to be transformed in the, from the direction that he was going. Amen. So, sometimes we're in a pit because God is refining our character. Number two, sometimes we're in a pit because God needs to recalculate our direction. Jonah was going in his own way rather than in God's way. He was off course to his destiny. And not only was he off course to his destiny, but he was off course to the destiny of the Ninevites that were over there in their wickedness waiting on Jonah to show up. Listen, this isn't just about you. This isn't just about what you want and when you want it. God has a whole system working for good and you're a part of it. But if you and I are going to be stubborn and rebellious, we're, we're impeding the progress of God in other people or where he's taking us. Amen. He was going in his own way, moving in his own direction. And God said, I got to swallow you up to get you back to where I want you to go. I'm not just going to work on you. I'm not just going to bring you to a breaking point where I refine your character and begin to deal with your heart, which you basically see in his prayer. But God is saying, I have to get you back to where you left. <laughs> Amen. And so he's recalculating his, his direction. And so 
when Jonah was bobbing out there at the sea, the Lord called the whale, a divinely appointed Uber, to get him to where he wanted him to be. And some of us get off, we get off of the right path in our lives. Sometimes we do this in our marriages. We get off the, the right path in our relationships. Sometimes we get off the right path in our ministry or in our life or in our morality. We get off the right path. And those pit places can be great for making us or causing us to hear God's voice again. Clearly. Like, oh, I got on, I got going down the wrong way. And I got so messed up in my own mentality that I wouldn't I couldn't even hear God. I just heard noises. And I heard all kinds of voices, but I wasn't hearing God. And and it's sometimes when you get into those barren cavities, those belly places, all you can hear is God and a little upset stomach. Amen. To where you hear nothing but God. I love Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, this is God speaking to the children of Israel. He said, if you wander, if you wander off the road to the right or to the left, you will hear this voice behind you saying, here's the road, follow it. Hey, 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 when you get going in the wrong direction, if you will listen, God's always talking. He say, wait, whoa, 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 where are you going? Why are you going that way? Why are you making that decision? Why are you taking that turn? I'm right here. This is the way. It's not that God doesn't talk. It's that we're not listening. Amen. So God wants to get us to the place to recalculate our direction. So the purpose of the pit is to refine our character, recalculate our direction. And then also, let me just give you one more. It's to renew our focus. To renew our focus. So the Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then he prayed to the Lord. Jonah has nowhere to look now but up. God has his attention. You might say that he is a captive audience. That's what he is. When you've hit rock bottom in your life, there's nowhere to look but up. It's in this place where we learn to set our eyes on God and set our ears to hear Him again. It's in this place where God begins to work in our hearts. And here's the deal. He, he sat there for three days, sulking and soaking. He sat there for three days. But eventually, it's like, where else can I turn but to you? And sometimes we got to get stuck in those places so that we come to the complete end of ourselves. And we get our eyes back on the Lord. See, one of the reasons why we're not mobilized in the kingdom work of God sometimes as Christians, and I'm not talking about you, but everybody in the second service. I know you guys are all mobilized. But one of the reasons why we're not is because we are, we've lost focus 
on him. Because I can tell you where he's at. He's not in the comfort and the safety of the boat. He's out walking on the waves. And he's waiting for people to get out there with him. Amen. David, he was in his own pit. I love Psalms 40, verses 1 through 3. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Everybody say horrible pit. You're not just in a pit. I'm in a horrible pit. Like Katie says, you're not old. You're just, you're not, you're not horribly old. That's what she, that's, that's how she referred to me one day. You're not horribly old. You're close, but not quite there. She was being nice, I thought. I think she, I think she thought she was being nice. <laughs> it was a compliment, she said. I, I'm 60, so if you're over me, you are, I think, horribly. How do you like that? So let me start over. David, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Let's honor God's word. Psalms 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. What I love about that passage is that is exactly what happened with Jonah with the Ninevites. Because he was in a pit, he finally got around and he got his focus back on God. He cried out to God. God brought him out of that horrible pit, set his feet on a rock, established his going. And the Ninevites saw it, heard it, feared God, and trusted him. If we want to see God move in our day we got to be movable. Saying, God, move, do that, do this, go there. God, save them, stop them. God says, okay, you, get up and go. Amen. Come on now, praise the Lord. So anyway, those are some reasons for or purposes behind the pit. But let's talk now. Let's get out of our pits, amen? Anybody ready to get out of a pit? So let's talk about this. Jonah was in the pit. He was in the, he was in the belly of the whale pit, and he began to pray. And I want to talk about how to pray your way out of a pit. After three days, Jonah finally begins to pray. And it was the earnestness of his prayer that brought the answers. God answered him. He said, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me. Listen, cry out to the Lord, and he answers. That's the testimony of God's word. Cry out to God, he answers. And we're not just going to be talking about the logistics of prayer, but I want to talk about the power of prayer, how, how we can pray our way up out of this pit that we're in. First of all, you have to admit the trouble that you're in. You have to come to that place. If you're going to get out of this place that you may be in right now, you have to admit that you're in a place right now. 
Got to acknowledge it. And this is what Jonah did. Let me, let me just kind of go back over. I don't know, Sherry, if you, I, you can go back, but you don't have to. I'm just going to kind of bounce through chapter 2, the first few verses where it says that Jonah prayed from the fish's belly and he said, I cried out. And that word, I cried out, literally means I hollered out to God. I yelled out to God, to the Lord, because of my affliction. And the Hebrew word for affliction means trouble or literally tightness. I was in a tight place. I was in a troublesome place. And the Bible said, and Jonah said, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, out of the grave. I was in a grave place. I cried, and you heard my voice. And for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look toward your holy temple. So Jonah knows he got himself into this place. He knows that he's not in a good place. And not only that, but he feels like he's far away from God. He doesn't feel like God is close. He goes on in verse 5. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds are wrapped around my head. My head is so messed up right now. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm just a ball of worry. I, I've got all of this problem going on. You see what he's doing? He's admitting the place that he's at. I'm not in a good place. I have made choices. I have taken steps. I have moved in directions that have put me right where I'm at right now. And God may be working on you. He may be refining your character, recalculating your direction, renewing your focus, but that's not where he wants you to be. Amen. But if we're going to get out of it in prayer, we've got to admit it. We've got to admit where we are. He said, I went down Verse 6 says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with the bars closed around me forever. You have, you, have brought me, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So Jonah admits that he's put himself here. And out of this tight spot, he begins to pray desperately and passionately to God. And as I said earlier, he was sitting there and sulking in his rebellion against God's will. And then he admitted it. Desperate times call for desperate prayers. Amen. Desperate times. If you're in a desperate time, you need to get desperate in your prayers to the Lord. It's not the time to be passive about where you're at, but passionate. If you don't like where you're at, do something about it. Get desperate for God. If you know you're not where you need to be, cry out to God. Paul said it like this in Romans 12, verses 11 and 12. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Stay on fire. That's what he's saying. Keep that passion for God. Keep that zeal for God. Go after God. Don't become passe. Amen. Be passionate. I did a little 
research on people who get swallowed by whales. You can Google these things. And they say the gases and the acids in the stomach begin to eat away at you. First, it starts with your clothing, and then it affects your skin, and then it, then it begins to um, discolor the composite of your cells in your body. And, you know, when Jonah was eventually vomited out, he was, he was bleached. He was bleached white. He was bleached, and then he was beached. And he was completely white. Why? Because of the... He, it was, he was being eaten away at with this acids. And I was thinking about that, how some of us are sitting in our gases and our acids <laughs> of our negative attitudes and our stubborn hearts. We don't like what God called us to, and we don't like where God wanted us to go, and we don't like where we're at. And we're just stubborn enough to just sit there. Amen. There are a lot of people like that in the kingdom of God. But if you want to get out of that place, it's time for you to admit you've you got problems. And you know what? Everybody else ain't your problem. And the government ain't your problem. And your wife or your husband ain't your problem. They may cause you problems, but they're not your problem. Amen. You are your own worst enemy. If you don't like where you're at, get up. Admit you got a problem and move on so you get vomited out. Amen. Don't sit there and die a slow and disgusting death. Amen. I hope this means something to somebody out there. So number one, if you want to pray your way through out, out of your pit, Admit you gotta, you're in trouble. Number two, affirm your confidence, your faith, your trust in God. Jonah said in verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7, he said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. When I was about ready to quit, when I was about ready to give it up, Jonah was at the point where he was almost done. And then he says, I remembered the Lord. And I cried out to God. And I remembered that you are a faithful God. When he said, I prayed towards your holy temple, Jonah remembered the times when God's glory and power was manifest in the temple, when God would come down and God would meet with the people. And he'd known he had seen the power of God at work over the course of his life. And he said, I remembered what you have done. I remembered that you saved our people in times past. I remember that you delivered people in times past. I remember that you answered prayer and you promised that you would. Even if we were rebellious, you promised that you would turn your ear back to us again and you would save us. And, and so Jonah got to that place where he, he now has to turn. He affirms his faith, his confidence, and his trust in God. So he says, I was almost faint. Everybody say faint. Anybody here, anybody here ever fainted? 
I fainted like several times in my life. One time I cut my thumb wide open and I was looking at it. The next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground, somebody slapping me on the face. <laughs> fainted at the sight of my own blood. So he said, I was almost faint when my soul fainted within me. Means to be feeble, to, to be weak. It denotes someone who has overcome. You know, uh, Solomon said in Proverbs 24.10, he said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You know why we quit and why we give up and why we faint and kind of just kind of give way in times of trouble? It's because our strength is small. And it's not because you are just a small person, but where do you get your strength from? Your strength doesn't come from yourself. Your strength comes from the Lord. So if you faint in the day of adversity, in the day of trial, in the day of difficulty, it isn't because you're just worse than everybody else. It's, it's about where do you get your power from? Yourself or from your God? Amen. And so some of us right now are in that place where we feel faint. Faint-hearted people are ready to quit. They're full of fear. They're full of anxiety. I want to tell you something. If God is your strength, you can make it through. And that's what Jonah said. He said, when I was feeling, I was almost going to give up. But then I remembered the Lord. And I was thinking of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 24. This is the God's promise, or verse 28 rather. Go ahead and bring that up if you would. He says, this is in Isaiah chapter 40. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? He gives power to the weak and when you don't feel like you can go another day, he will increase your strength. Whew, come on now. Go on to the next verse. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. I got news for you. If you're hor not horribly old, you can be as strong as the young people. Amen. Even youth shall faint. Whew, come on now. I felt the anointing on that. Young men shall utterly fall. Go on, Sherry. To the next one. But, look, read this with me. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. You wait on God. You cry out to God. You affirm your confidence and your trust in Him. That God is the only one that can get you out of this mess. Amen. There is strength enough to get us through. I was thinking of that, one of, the, one of the things that you don't see this right off unless you kind of dig into it and study it out, but if you read Jonah's prayer, almost every line of his prayer is a quotation out of the book of Psalms. There's like 10 or 11 different references in his prayer to what he has already sang and heard at church. So that when he's in a horrible place and in a horrible pit, 
he remembers the word of God. And he begins to cry out and say things that he heard David say in his pits. Or the other psalmists say, when they felt like the waters were rushing over them or going to swallow them alive. And I want to tell you something, church. If you'll get a little Bible in you, then you'll be ready to believe God when everything falls down and falls short in your life. When you get into a bad place. But you can't, you can't have that to rest on if you don't have it in you. So what you do? Every day, get up and read your Bible. Let's go to kindergarten. Every Christian read their Bible and pray every day. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. Where's, where's the 70, other 70% of you out there? Read your Bible and pray every day. Amen. Then the third thing that he did, not only did he admit the trouble that he was in and affirm his confidence in God. But then we need to, like Jonah, align our heart to God's will. We need to realign, get our heart, our, listen, let me say it this way. We got to get in alignment our will to the will of God. See, you have a will and God has a will. And he doesn't change his will. But you may have to change yours. <laughs> Amen. So Jonah's down in the belly, you know. And he's like, okay. I think, I think it's me. It's me, Lord. It's not you. It's not them. It's not this and it's not that. It's me. And he had to adjust his attitude and his mindset. Jonah got his heart back into alignment with God. How did he do that? Well, first of all, we have to repent of the idol of our self-will. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. This should come up, I think. Did I give this to you? No? Okay, I didn't give it to you. But it's right here in chapter 2, verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Jonah's like, I have an idol. My idol was my will. Amen. I didn't want to do God's will. But this is what he prays in the prayer in verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. We can forfeit God's mercy by insisting to have it our way. Listen, this ain't Burger King. There is a king and you're not it. Amen. God has a way and he has a will. And we have to align to his way and his will. See, repentance means I change my mind. It's not me trying to change God's mind. I have to change me. And so Jonah acknowledges and he repents and he says, 
I have an idol, and that idol is me. And I'm repenting of it. Amen. I bet you didn't think that you were your own idol, but you, you and I are, oftentimes. Another thing he did, I wish I gave the scriptures because I wanted you to see these, but in chapter 2, verse 9, the second thing we see how he aligned his will was not only repent of the idol of his self-will, but he was thankful and grateful right where he was at. In verse 9, it says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah is, again, all cocooned up in the belly of the well. And he's like, um, I'm going to turn from the idol of myself. And oh, thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. In the belly. Not after he got out of it, but in it. Right there, in that deep, dark, depressing place. In that dark place, he's offering up the sacrifice of praise to God. Right there. Not waiting till things get better. They're pretty bad right now, but he's already decided, I'm going to praise the Lord. We don't thank God because it feels good. We thank God because he is good. And he still has a plan and a purpose for our life, but Jonah had to learn that. And you and I have to learn that as well. And then the, the other thing he did to align his heart with God's will was he made a commitment. He made he committed to be committed. He said, I will pay what I have vowed. He committed his heart. You know what? I'm gonna when I get out of here, this is what he, this is what he was saying. When I get out of here, I'm gonna go sacrifice an offering to the Lord. That's what he was saying. And you know. We don't live in the belly of a well literally. So what do we do? We become living sacrifices to God. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what God's good and perfect and pleasing will is. What is that? How do, but where, how do you get to that place? You become a living sacrifice. You give Him, you commit your life to Him completely and fully here and now. Amen. So when we admit the trouble we're in, Julie, if you come when we admit the trouble we're in and we affirm our faith in God and we align our heart to the will of God, here's what you can expect. You're going to get vomited onto dry land. Amen. Let's look at it. It says in chapter 2, verse 10, and then chapter 3, verse 1, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I love that. How many of you believe in second chances? 
I hardly don't even like talking about second chances because I think I'm on like 5,000 or like 7,000 beyond second chance. But the idea, the idea is that, you know, we get ourselves into these places sometimes. We can do this to ourselves, but God is merciful. He is gracious. His gifts and his callings are irrevocable. He has a plan and a purpose. He just needs us to get to the place where we come to the end of ourselves. And we say, okay, God, I've been doing this my way. I've been, going, I've been on my journey to Tarshish rather than Nineveh. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Nineveh and forsake Tarshish. Time, church. It's time. It's time for us to get up and go. Amen. The world is waiting on us. Nineveh is waiting on us. Oh, I just want God to do it. Do it, God. It's a great prayer. God's answer is, I want to do it through you. That's my plan. That's my commission. That's what I'm doing. But I need you to get desperate. And I'll get you out of this place. Amen. Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer teams come on up? And um, let's come up. If you need prayer today, before you leave, come this way. We can pray with you about anything. If you're in a pit in your life and you'd like somebody to help you pray your way through that, you can come up here and receive prayer or for anything. So one more time, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your presence here today. It has been good to be in the house of the Lord. It has been good to be in your presence today with others. And God, we thank you for the testimony that we read about in Jonah. I pray that we would all hear it and receive it for ourselves today. God, that we would... If we're in a deep, dark, depressing place in our life, God, that we would not believe that this is our purpose. You may have a purpose in it, but I pray, God, that we would find deliverance and find freedom. And God, I just pray that you, I, God, you are the God of second chances. You are the God of a second time. And I pray, God, that we would have a renewed sense of direction in our life. A renewed sense of the call of God upon our hearts. God, we yield our hearts to you. We yield our lives to you today. We love you so much. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen.